You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. The FBI is looking for ways to impose costs on Fancy Bear and Cozy Bear. Election hacking fears remain despite DHS reassurances. And industry sources warn of privacy risks within campaign databases. Investigation continues into the ISIS-claimed weekend attacks. Cisco patches a firewall vulnerability related to a shadow broker's exploit. M&A activity and other warnings to beware of chatbots. They're out fishing. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, April 20th, 2016. The FBI is looking hard for a way in which law enforcement could impose costs on Fancy Bear and probably on Cozy Bear, too. If you've misplaced your scorecard, Fancy Bear works for Russia's GRU, the country's military intelligence establishment, and Cozy Bear is with FSB, which is the post-Soviet heir to the old KGB. Reuters says the Bureau is under pressure to do something, but what thing it might be able to do is unclear. There's a good bit of speculation about tighter sanctions. What hasn't surfaced so far among the options are the names of any people behind the keyboards, as FBI Director Comey has referred to state agencies' actual human operators. The FBI has worked to bring indictments against named officers of China's People's Liberation Army in industrial espionage cases brought in Pennsylvania. So far, however, no named individuals have surfaced, and so the cost to be imposed would appear likely to be sanctions as opposed to indictments. Assurances and support from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security aside, many in the security industry warn that vote hacking is possible and that it need not be global or even widespread to affect an election. Security company Logrhythm, for one, pointed out a disturbing fact to dark reading. There are about two and a half months between election and inauguration. It takes an average of six months for companies to detect a breach. Quite apart from voter fraud and foreign influence, the analysis of voter behavior and preferences by campaigns poses its own threat to privacy. Andrew Hay, CISO of security company Data Gravity, writes in HackRead that political campaigns, like other organized and centrally directed marketing efforts, collect, analyze, and use a great deal of personal information. If you're in a demographic group of interest, expect campaigns to look closely at whatever they can learn about you and your preferences. The security with which those data are handled may not even be up to advertiser standards. And the data can't be assumed to disappear once the campaign is over, so the risk may be an enduring one. Other high-profile investigations currently underway are looking into the weekend attacks in New York, New Jersey, and Minnesota. The cyber dimension here is the ISIS information campaign that successfully radicalizes, recruits, and inspires fighters to violence. Investigators are looking into the online activities of suspects in the attacks, but so far not much has turned up. So in these cases, ISIS may be applauding and claiming people with a tenuous connection to the caliphate. In any event, centralized command and control have never been the ISIS way. 
Their operations have depended more on inspiration than direction. Many are calling for more effective counter-radicalization programs. Most countries have versions of these in place, but the problem lies in the messaging and in the conviction. It's unclear what Western societies could offer or would be willing to offer that could compete with the promise of transcendence that motivates the convinced to murder and to willingly die in the act of murder. The Shadow Brokers released a large tranche of genuine zero days early last month, which the brokers claim to have got from a compromised NSA operation belonging to the Equation Group. Some of the exploits affected Cisco products, and Cisco quickly patched. Cisco has issued another patch that fixes a vulnerability it discovered in the course of researching the Shadow Brokers' leaks. It affects a Cisco firewall and is similar to the benign certain exploit closed earlier. It's unclear from reports whether the bug was in the Equation Group tranche of zero days or whether the revelation of the benign certain exploit prompted the research that disclosed similar flaws. Probably the latter, but in any case, patch. Mozilla is due out with a Firefox patch today. This one is expected to fix a man-in-the-middle vulnerability in Mozilla's popular browser. Last week at the Billington Cybersecurity Summit in Washington, D.C., we sat down with Casey Ellis. He's the founder and CEO of BugCrowd, a company that aims to crowdsource application testing, connecting crowds of independent security researchers with companies to uncover vulnerabilities and collect bug bounties. One of the challenges BugCrowd faces is convincing companies to trust their apps to a group of hackers. I really see that trust evolution as a very similar one that the market went through when pen testing first became a thing back in the early you know, 2000s. Uh, and really what it comes down to is uh, you know, they're assessing risk versus reward. They're getting used to a novel concept and, and trying to get their heads around what those risks actually are. And a big part of what BugCrowd built is is things to actually mitigate that risk and make it controllable for, for the client. So it's an interesting one because I think you know the, the, the biggest initial issue is the sense of, you know, aren't hackers bad? Um, there's this, you know, I think immediate kind of link that most people draw that someone that can do something bad to a computer is someone that shouldn't be trusted. And the reality of it is, you know, people like myself uh, and people like the folk that we have in the crowd, they enjoy that type of thinking. They enjoy thinking like a criminal, essentially, but they have absolutely no desire to be one, which makes them incredibly useful and, you know, really necessary at this point. You look at... Um, where the cybersecurity industry is up to, there's a chronic shortage of, of resources. And I actually think the big driver for all of this is people are looking for more creative ways to, to connect talent to the problems that they have. In addition to connecting security researchers with companies, BugCrowd provides opportunities for the hackers to connect and learn from each other. It's basically getting the crowd to educate itself. Uh, so we've got you know forums, we've got like channels that we've set up and different things. And like we encourage wherever we can communication between the researchers to help teach each other how to be better at all of this stuff. And for the better part, they're actually quite collaborative. I get asked often, like, isn't this a competitive thing? Sometimes it is. You know, sometimes they have secret sauce they don't want to share. Uh, but for the better part, it's actually quite a supportive um, group of people. You know, new people come in, and as long as there's this humble attitude and, and desire to learn, like, that's the hacker mindset, right? So they kind of take them in as one of their own, and and it goes from there, which is just, it's a wonderful thing to watch. Ellis believes that crowdsourcing helps bring a level of proportionality to the fight. In my mind, this is not, this is not about bug bounties or, or vulnerability disclosure as much as it is about just this 
absolutely crying need we have to to deliver more human creativity into this problem space. You know, get people that don't think like security. Like the thing is that engineers, you know, people that are outside of security um, generally don't think like an adversary. They don't have an adversarial mindset. And the problem, I think, with a lot of people in insecurity is that we assume they do because that's just how we walk around, right? We're looking. We're looking at the lock door and thinking about how you know safe the lock is or whatever else. They don't do that. So there's this essence of like mutual understanding that needs to happen, this feedback loop that needs to be created. And there's not enough people to do that. And the way that we're doing it right now is broken. So the way I see this progress over time is is basically for for you know, coordinated disclosure. People actually saying, okay, if you find something reactively, I'll provide a channel for you to communicate that to me. That I think is going to become completely ubiquitous. Um, and then this idea of basically crowdsourcing as a, as a way of accessing talent and solving security problems, I see that as being a necessary way to combat just the lack of professionals we've got right now. So it's going to be an interesting, um, particularly in the next three years in this space, I think it's going to be pretty radical in, some of the, in terms of some of the shifts we see. That's Casey Ellis from Bug Crowd. A quick rundown of some industry news. Vista Equity Partners is taking Infoblocks private, acquiring it for $1.6 billion. Colorado-based Webroot has acquired San Diego-based machine learning shop Cyberflow Analytics for an undisclosed sum. And KBR has picked up Honeywell Technology Solutions, which has a cyber practice. Finally, there are some warnings out there about chatbots. As they get better at imitating human chit-chat, call and response, do keep your Turing test guard up. It's inevitable that chatbots will be used for phishing. Indeed, Dark Reading reports that some chatbots have been chumming around the Tinder dating app. Yes, believe it or not, some lovelorn gentlemen have been hornswoggled by a chatbot who convinced them that it, or she, really truly cared. Or at least was up for a good time. So be wary, friends, especially if that chatbot calls herself Tay. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI... The best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber 
to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me once again is Dr. Charles Clancy. He's the director of the Hume Center for National Security and Technology at Virginia Tech. Uh, Dr. Clancy, welcome back. Uh, I know you wanted to talk today about uh, the situation that's been brewing with uh, with St. Jude's Medical and Muddy Waters Capital and uh, and MedSec Cybersecurity. Well, I think it's a it's a really fascinating uh, uh, series of events that I think is unprecedented right now in the world of, of cybersecurity. Um, and for those of your listeners who haven't been following the news uh, quite as closely over the last couple weeks, uh, basically a couple weeks ago, uh, Muddy Waters uh, announced uh, a, uh, a short position on uh, St. Jude's, uh, which is a company that creates pacemakers and other medical devices, uh, basically saying that uh, they had discovered through uh, their consultant MedSec uh, a number of cyber vulnerabilities that were able to kill the battery in, a, in pacemakers uh, or change the therapies delivered by pacemakers, both of which could have lethal consequences. Um, this was particularly interesting, in my opinion, because it was the first time we've seen a hedge fund actually take a financial position against a company uh, with respect to a potential cyber vulnerability and the impact that that would have on their on their long-term uh, uh, stock value. And uh, many in the community were uh, kind of upset by the tactics, mm-hmm. uh, indicating that it wasn't really a responsible disclosure of a vulnerability, uh, while others felt that uh, it was kind of a, an interesting uh, way to really get people's attention and highlight the vulnerabilities uh, in this domain. Yeah, and uh, we, we saw uh, just, just this week that uh, St. Jude has responded and has sued Muddy Waters and, and MedSec uh, for defamation, uh, which is an interesting response. It seems uh, legal people People are saying they have an uphill battle, but but it's a response nonetheless. Uh, indeed, it is, and they're basing a lot of their assessment on um, some work that was done at University of Michigan, uh, where they have a research center that's been funded by the National Science Foundation for the last few years, looking specifically at medical devices. And the researchers at University of Michigan uh, basically say that, that the the error messages that MedSec was uh, able to demonstrate were perhaps not as catastrophic as they indicated they were. And so, while they weren't necessarily saying that the uh, the vulnerabilities weren't there. They were just saying that the proof that's been pre- presented so far is perhaps not conclusive. Um, so it's interesting to see uh, the, the St. Jude's response. Um, and I think what has a lot of people in the community on edge is whether or not this is uh, an anomaly or this is the new normal in terms of, of major vulnerability uh, reporting. All right. We'll keep an eye on it. Dr. Charles Clancy, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With Identity Orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. 
Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K Cyberwire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey and share your feedback now.